Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by their good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest or largest or longest established air conditioning company, I should say. You can visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com to find out more. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Dot com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about Memorial Day, Hong Kong, the pandemic outside the United States. We'll also visit with Larry Reed. Larry is the uh, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. The topic is civil disobedience during about freedom of worship. And then Jim McTagg will be joining us. He is the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books. His latest Shake the Money Tree. It is, of course, Memorial Day. We'll talk more about that in a minute. It's also May the 25th, and on this day in 1861, John Merriman, a state legislator from Maryland, was arrested for attempting to hinder Union troops from moving from Baltimore to Washington during the Civil War, and it held at Fort McHenry by Union military officials. His attorney immediately sought a writ of habeas corpus, so the federal court could examine the charges. However, President Abraham Lincoln decided to suspend the right of habeas corpus, and the general in command of Fort McHenry refused to turn Merriman over to the authorities. Federal Judge Rodney, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, he's also a Southern gentleman, you may recall, during the Civil War, uh, that, and therefore politics applied back in the day. He was also the author of the infamous Dred Scott decision, uh, issued a ruling that President Lincoln did not have the authority to suspend habeas corpus. He was probably right about that. Lincoln didn't respond, appeal, or even order the release of Merriman, but during our July 4th speech, Lincoln was defiant, insisting that he needed to suspend, suspend the rules in order to put down the rebellion in the South. Five years later, a new Supreme Court essentially backed Justice Taney's ruling. In an unrelated case, the court held that only Congress could suspend habeas corpus and that civilians were not subject to the military courts even in times of war. This was not the first or last time the United States government uh, willfully ignored its own laws during times of strife. Hundreds of thousands of Japanese Americans were sent to internment camps following the attack of Pearl Harbor and American entry into World War II. That's probably the most heinous and worst case of the, of the situation. Some 40 years later, U.S. Congressional Commission determined that those held in camps had been victims of discrimination. Each camp survivor was awarded $20,000 in compensation for the U.S. government. I would suggest that it's happening right now in some states like uh, Michigan and California. History does repeat itself. And again, uh, there's nothing in the Constitution that says, well, you can suspend our rules, the rules of the con Constitution because of, for example, the pandemic or uh, Japanese, of course, being interned because they were Japanese uh, and we were fighting the Japanese during the Second World War. It is, of course, as I mentioned, Memorial Day, uh, observed on the last Monday of May, honoring the men and women who died while serving in the U.S. military. This Memorial Day, we remember those who sacrificed their lives for our freedom. Our thoughts and prayers are with all those who are grieving because of the losses. Uh, may we, as Abraham Lincoln said at Gettysburg, highly resolve that these dead shall not die in vain, have died in vain, that this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, 
and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Abraham Lincoln. The Civil War, which ended in the spring of 1865, claimed more lives than any conflict in U.S. history and required the establishment of the country's first national cemeteries. By the late 1860s, Americans in various towns and cities had been begun holding springtime tributes to those countless fallen soldiers decorating the graves with flowers and reciting prayers. Each year on Memorial Day, a national moment of remembrance takes place at the three o'clock in the afternoon. One of the earliest Memorial Day uh, commemoration was organized by a, a group of freed slaves in Charleston, South Carolina, less than a month after the Confederacy surrendered in 1865. In 1866, the federal government declared Waterloo, New York, the official birthplace of Memorial Day. Today, we're going to hear thousands of trumpet and bugle players and other musicians across the nation. They've been invited to play taps at 3 o'clock in the afternoon from wherever they are on Memorial Day to honor American's fallen heroes. CBS News' Steve Hartman and retired Air Force bugler Jerry Villanueva are joining forces to call upon American musicians to participate in the taps across America as a way to keep the spirit of Memorial Day alive, even as traditional parades and other holiday events are canceled due to the crisis caused by the uh, coronavirus. Taps is, of course, the national call of remembrance and is traditionally played at American military funerals and memorial ceremonies. If Americans hear taps being sounded on Memorial Day, they should put their hand over hand, face... uh, should stand, face the music, and place their hand over the hearts, their hearts, as they would for the national anthem. Moment of silence at three o'clock to remember those who died for our freedom. Concerned Veterans for Americans Foundation is encouraging people to come together online. We're asking for folks to do it in the context of this time, because we can't get together at this Memorial Day in the traditional venues, is to come together digitally to honor the sacrifice of those who've fallen. This is according to John Burns, the Director of Education at Concerned Veterans for America. We're supporting or writing our check today to St. Matthew's House to support the homeless and to provide life-changing support for those in need. I hope you'll consider a gift today for the charity of your choice if you're not willing or able to participate in any events across the Paradise Coast. An act of kindness, which I think is a terrific way in memory of those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Well, from canoes, yachts, over 500 boats decorated with U.S. and uh, Trump 2020 flags navigated Cuyahoga County water Saturday in support of President Trump's re-election. Boaters departed at 10 a.m. from the city dock to, uh, to the recording of God Bless America and the National Anthem. Uh, they then navigated Naples Bay and further south to Jolly Bridge on Marco Island. About 530 boats participated in the parade. And Jamie Mossback, a spokesperson for the Cuyahoga County Sheriff's Office, said, Hey, we didn't have any incidents. Something great that we can do here in the Paradise Coast, unlike some other places. CNN became unhinged because Trump decided to play golf yesterday without a mask. CNN wonders why the American people don't take them seriously. It's because of the stupid things like this. The CDC recommends wearing a mask when out in crowded places like the grocery store, but not in the middle of a golf course by yourself. Maybe the network should consider spending more of their time and money holding China accountable for unleashing the Wuhan virus. On the world. It was refreshing yesterday. Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning hung on to win in a match, the Champions for Charity in Hobe Sound near Jupiter, Florida, defeating Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson in, in the rain. Very entertaining. Great to see live sports. Can't wait until some of the other sports come back. 
And our thoughts are with Alan West, a former Florida congressman, who is now a candidate to lead the Republican Party of Texas, was hospitalized uh, on Saturday after being injured in a motorcycle crash. The exact details of the injuries were unclear, but no details were available on whether other people were injured. Uh, he was uh, led a Texas Freedom Rally at the State House in Austin after reportedly leading a motorcycle group from Dallas. Uh, he's 59, a native of Atlanta, and served in the U.S. Armor. He's, the story of him serving the Army uh, is so interesting in and of itself. We won't have time for that. But uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel uh, uh, Alan West <clears throat> and uh, former a congressman from uh, east, uh, the east coast of Florida. Well, I found this commentary on Twitter from Carlos Osuida. It captures the very essence of politics of our time. And this is one for the ages, he says. Reverend Jesse Jackson Jr. is calling on people, especially religious leaders, not to follow through on President Donald Trump's demand for churches and houses of worship to start reopening on Memorial Day weekend. Get this, Trump made the Democrats, including leftist religious leaders, come out against religion and the First Amendment. Incredible, says Carlos. The Democrats are uh, Trump's puppets. All he has to do is to support something, and the Democrats will oppose it. All sane people understand that opening the House of Worship, worship, (laughs) my tongue is tied, Houses of Worship, well, we've done in accordance with the CDC guidelines, so the idea that Trump is recklessly endangering people is, of course, sheer insanity. But as I told you earlier, the Democrats are now in a tobogganing phase, and then he has a toboggan running down, uh, I think this is during the Winter Olympics in uh, China or Japan, and crashing. Trump is making the Democrats com- commit blunders that each one alone would be enough to cost them the House and the presidency. But as a real estate mogul, Trump is making sure that he has insurance. Everyone forgets that in the first presidential debate in 2012, Romney was up over Obama by 10 points. So, of course, the typical loser Republican advises their, them to, their robot boss, now you can take it easy and be gracious, and Romney did. And Romney carved off, uh, Obama carved off Romney's butt and handed it to him. Romney deserved to lose. Trump is making absolutely sure that Biden won't win and the Democrats will lose the House. Now the Democrats are vociferously supporting permanent unemployment, suicide, mental illness, the loss of the right to practice religion, and they're screaming at the country and, and that Trump is wrong to support our constitutional rights. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the Declaration of Independence, not the thing, as you recall, Joe Biden once referred to it. The U.S. was founded on the principle that you have the God-given right to pursue happiness. Trump now has Democrats arguing against your God-given right to pursue happiness. This is genius, he says. Everything the Democrats are doing is demented. Following tooth and nail, fighting tooth and nail against the treatment for COVID-19, having the cops force you to stop selling things online, releasing murderers and rapists, condemning religion and the First Amendment. One of the defining characteristics of senility is bursts of irrational rage. At some point, Joe Biden will probably begin shouting racial epithets at the interviews, and the Democrats will defend them. It will happen. It already happened this weekend. Democrats are already trying to prevent people from attending religious services in a country where in which 80 to 90 percent of the citizens identify with a religion. About 90 percent of Americans say they believe in God. 
methodically and ruthlessly, Trump is using the Democrats' madness against them, manipulating them, and alienating almost the entire electorate. He's just getting started, and he's not going afraid to go for it. It's, uh, I can't continue this because I have to go to our first guest, but I think Carlos Oswiti gets it right. I think it's terrific. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees. Open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Culture Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Well, I was just trying to get Mark Schulman on the phone. I uh, kind of missed the commercial break there, but I had no luck. So unfortunately, uh, we're going to have to continue on with the show. I was hoping to hear from Mark, but irrespective, we've got some great things. I want to continue this with uh, Carlos Oswita and what he had to say. Uh, 
On Sunday, Chicago's first openly gay mayor, Lori Lightfoot, mounted a raid on a black South Side church for holding services in defiance of her coronavirus lockdown orders. Lightfoot reportedly sent three marked squad cars and two unmarked cars full of officers to the Chicago Cornerstone Baptist Church in the South Side's Woodlawn neighborhood. Woodlawn is just south of Hyde Park, the area in which the Obamas lived for a short time before Brock became president. Isn't this amazing? So uh, they fought the, the doors were locked. This was a, apparently in a dangerous neighborhood. The doors were locked, and there was no raid. Everything went okay, but can you imagine that? Uh, they're defying the president's orders. You recall that the president said be, that uh, church going to church, he said this on Friday, going to church is an essential activity, and churches, places of worship, should be opening if this weekend, he said. So, uh, of course, he said the CDC guidelines apply, but uh, right now, Lightfoot is a piece of that, as I'm sure we're going to find out others are as well. Well, former uh, President Joe Biden appeared on The Breakfast Club, hosted by Charlemagne the God. I can't be his real name. But on Friday morning and told African-Americans that they are not black if they don't vote for him over President Trump. Biden made the remark as an appearance was coming up to an end and the host was trying to get more airtime with him. CNN waited 12 hours to cover Joe Biden's You Ain't Black comment, while ABC, CBS, and NBC averaged only one minute of discussion about his shocking remarks. The comments rapidly went viral and drew condemnation from both sides of the aisle. Uh, MRC, uh, that that's the uh, uh, media radio. Uh, Network. It's a. It's organization. <laughs> it's it's the media research center. I'm sorry. Noted that NBC anchor Lester Holt dismissed the whole thing in 21 seconds, according to a report from Media Research Center. The event is newcast from uh, ABC, NBC, and CBS spent a com- combined 187 seconds talking about the comment that sent shockwaves through social media. ABC and CBS both balanced uh, Biden's gaffe with n- bad news for Trump. ABC's Mary Bruce ran down a list of Trump's apparently racist comments, and CBS's Ed O'Keefe dragged out their polling showing that Biden was winning black voters by a score of 90% to 3%, that according to the Media Research Center. That's just despicable. If you can't, uh, can you believe it? So you can see they're running interference for, for Sleepy Joe. Conservative commentator Candace Owens, and if you don't know her, she does uh, her podcasts on Prager University. She is terrific, black woman, uh, just spoke out to, uh, to blast presumptive 2020 Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden and the Democrat Party as a whole after he made racist comments about black voters. Her tweet, here's her tweet, Joe Biden tells uh, the God that if he, blacks have to think about whether you're going to vote for Trump or Biden, then you ain't black. It's disgusting. The Democrats view black people as trained chimpanzees, she said, who should not ask questions but perform the same circus act every four years, she wrote. Uh, Reminder, uh, black people, if you don't do the bidding for for wealthy white Democrats, you ain't black. Just imagine the media reaction if Donald Trump said this to a black person that asked questions about his policies. She continued, or if Trump said ain't. While speaking to black people, Biden tried to walk it all back, saying, I shouldn't have been such a wise guy. I shouldn't have been so cavalier, Biden said to black leaders during a Friday conference call, that according to the blaze, nor 
<clears throat> no one should have to vote for any party based on their race, their religion, or their background, said Biden. If Biden comments were not uh, examples of racism, I don't know what the heck is. Had Trump said anything like this, all hell would have broken loose. And yet the left-wing media is giving Biden a free pass on this simply because he's a Democrat. Once again, the hypocrisy of the left is truly staggering, said uh, uh, Candace Owens. Uh, that, uh, that is the Black Entertainment uh, Television Network uh, founder Robert Johnson uh, said Joe Biden should spend the rest of his campaign apologizing to every black person he meets. Donna Brazil. Brazier, Brazil, <laughs> whatever. I hope that Biden, uh, Joe Biden has learned his lesson. Uh, I want, she wants to move on from you ain't black, obviously. Well, Sen Senator Tim Scott said Biden's comments on black community are arrogant, condescending, and he's uh, heard uh, as a black conservative, Scott is really one of the best people to show Biden's racism for what it is. Uh, NAACP shoots down Biden's false claim that it endorsed him. Looks like they need to keep Biden on a teleprompter. It's unbelievable. All right, I'm going to give Mark Schulman another try, see if he's available. I don't know what's going on, but his phone's saying he's not taking calls right now. But he did send me an email earlier this morning, so we'll see if he's available. I'd like to get his commentary. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Great education programs this summer, and of course, a great season of performances coming up. I just uh, talked with one of the officials at Golf Shore Playhouse, and they're doing fine. So give them a call or go to the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed. Larry is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. I tried to reach Mark Schulman again and let him know that his phone is off. Maybe he'll give me a call, so we'll find out. Well, presumptive Democrat uh, nominee Joe Biden has finally unveiled his moniker for 2020 rival President Trump. He's going to call his general election opponent President Tweedy. (laughs) He revealed the nickname uh, uh, while speaking to the Asian American Pacific Islanders Victory Fund, remarking, Trump is out there tweeting again this morning. I call him President Tweedy. Boy, that's catchy. The ex-VP made the comment while talking about what he thought the president should do be, be focused on as opposed to spending his time on Twitter. Speaking at Trump's uh, vocal desire to reopen the country, Biden said, how are we supposed to do that if you're sitting in the money uh, on the money small businesses need? Stop tweeting about it. Get the money out to the main street, he said. Social media users were quick to respond to Biden's blunder. President Tweedy is so stupid the Biden campaign is cartoonishly bad, and the worst part is they probably workshopped this through several PR companies with focus groups, and this was the best they could come up with. It's very pitiful, so was one tweet. Here's another. Uh, Tweety was crafty and always outsmarted Sylvester. Remember Sylvester the cat? This is a compliment. Biden sucks at this, <laughs> is the comment. And yet another, and remember how they said that Trump was degrading uh, political discourse with these nicknames, but now you have Pelosi calling him morbidly obese and Joe Biden with his terrible nickname, President Tweety. They've come uh, what they hated and they still lose. Better luck next time, Joe. Well, there should be a giant billboard, in my opinion. In every city in the United States, America does not need to see the tax return of a billionaire who became a uh, public servant. America needs to see tax returns of public servants who become millionaires while being, uh, being public servants. Isn't that the case? Just think about those that have become so rich as a result of serving in public office. Well, the Justice Department announced Thursday that charges against a uh, Philadelphia election official for fraudulently stuffing ballot boxes to help Democrat candidates in 2014, 15, and 60 primary elections. I remember hearing uh, results coming out of uh, Philadelphia where there were no votes for Republicans and uh, a massive amount of votes for Democrats. Well, this is why. Dominic J. DeMuro, 73, of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is a former judge of elections for the 39th Ward, 36th Division in South Philadelphia, has been charged and has pled guilty to two-count information charging conspiracy to deprive Philadelphia voters of their civil rights by fraudulently stuffing the ballot boxes for specific Democrat candidates in 2014, 15, and 16, and a violation of Travel Act, which forbids the use of any facility in interstate commerce with the intent to promote certain illegal activity. Here it would be bribery. Uh, U.S. Attorney William M. McSwain announced on Thursday DeMuro admitted uh, to his guilty plea that he was actually paid by the unpaid political consultant to illegally add votes for certain Democrat candidates. He received uh, between $300 and $5,000 per election from the political consultant under the guise of consulting fees in exchange for adding fraudulent votes 
on the voting machines, also known as ringing up voters or votes, DeMuro fraudly stuffed the ballot box by literally standing in a voting booth and voting over and over as fast as he could while he thought the coast was clear. This is utterly reprehensible conduct. The charges announced Tuesday or today did not erase what he did, but they do ensure that he's held into account for these actions, said U.S. Attorney McSwain. The defendant abused his office by engaging in election fraud for profit, said Assistant Attorney General Brian Bekasowski of the Justice Department Criminal Division. Today's conviction makes it clear that the Department of Justice will do all in its power to protect the integrity of elections and maintain public confidence in all levels of elected government. How could this be? The Democrat media complex tells us that voter fraud is just a right-wing conspiracy theory. Well, it's certainly not, as you can see here. I maintain the president says, look, I don't want voting by mail. This is what some of the uh, states are saying they want to do because of COVID-19. Of course, election's not coming up until November. But uh, irrespective, you can see here that it doesn't matter uh, whether there's voting by mail. If you have corrupt elected officials, uh, for example, we have Jennifer Edwards here in Collier County, who's, who is the supervisor of elections. She does a good, great job. And I'm sure on occasion there's probably a fraudulently cast vote, but it's going to be very difficult to do here in Collier County. But when you have elected officials who are supervisors of election uh, taking money to, to and committing crimes in order to support candidates that aren't elected by the people, that's a serious violation. Well, as you know, uh, Representative John Radcliffe is, is serving as President Trump's Director of National Intelligence. That's what happened on Thursday. The party line vote of 49 to 44 clears the way for Texas Republican to replace Acting Director of National Intelligence Richard Grinnell. Now, I personally think that the Democrats allowed this to be rushed through to get Grinnell out of office. He's accomplished more in a few months than his predecessor did in three years. John Radcliffe will leave the intelligence community encountering threats for great powers, rogue nations, and terrorists, and ensuring that the work is untainted by us. That, according to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, a Republican, of course, from Kentucky, he said ahead of the vote. Now, this is just so important. He won approval from the Senate Intelligence Committee in a secret party-line vote on Wednesday. Uh, Representative Radcliffe understands his top, his top responsibility is to make sure that the wide array of intelligence agencies are sharing information across lines, coordinating capabilities, and are working in the, future, in the furtherance of the same strategic aim of the 21st century. That's according to the Intelligence Committee Chairman Marco Rubio, our senator, our senior senator, actually, during Radcliffe's confirmation this earlier this month. Trump first nominated Radcliffe for the role last summer, but withdrew his name after lawmakers questioned his readiness for the job and whether he inflated his resume. Trump renominated him in February, and of course he's getting through very quickly. He's a member of the House Intelligence Committee and played a key role in defending Trump during the impeachment inquiry uh, run by the intelligence panel Democrats in the House. Radcliffe served as a member of the Trump's impeachment team, providing daily briefings to reporters that countered the Democrat message that Trump was guilty of abuse of power and obstruction of justice. Uh, Democrats posed Radcliffe and uh, questioned whether he would act independently of Trump. Senator Wyden of Oregon, you know, uh, Denang Dick, as Trump calls him, 
Uh, he's the guy who lied about serving in Vietnam. He criticized Radliff for failing to agree with an intelligence assessment that Russians interfered in the 2016 election to help Trump. All that matters is that we, he makes Trump happy, Wyden said Thursday. And if Donald Trump doesn't want to acknowledge that the Russians helped him, then those are John Radcliffe marching orders. It's exact opposite of speaking the truth to power, said uh, Wyden. Why he has any credibility at all and why they can continue to election, elect him up in Connecticut, I have no idea. Uh, new evidence has emerged that Obama-era intelligence officials concealed evidence that the Russians were trying to aid Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential bid. Radcliffe will be the first permanent DNI director of national intelligence since the exit of Dan Coats, a former senator from Indiana, who was widely respected by lawmakers in both parties and viewed an independent DNI who was unafraid of, to challenge the president. Radcliffe was elected to the House in 2014 and represents the South Central region of the state. Uh, I, I just uh, hope that he will not only uh, oversee and make sure that the agencies are working together, but also they're working fairly and not in a political way, either for Republicans or Democrats. We need to clean the House. President Trump recently announced that he's getting closer to uh, cleaning the, the swamp, getting rid of the deep state. Uh, I, there's supposed to be some big news coming out tomorrow. I just uh, really look forward to finding out what they have to say. I appreciate the Twitter uh, feeds that I'm reading also. Uh, there's some very interesting stuff and probably more newsworthy than some of the stuff we're re reading in some of the media outlets that we take a look. Also, the Justice Department on Tuesday warned Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, he's in California, in a letter that his order banning church services put there an unfair burden on religious institutions. So already the vice is starting to close on our First Amendment rights. The Justice Department is getting involved. Of course, the president came out and said, uh, First Amendment rights, the ability to uh, worship in a religious institution at a church, is an essential service in all he says, if any governors have a problem with it, they're going to have to answer to me. <laughs> he took them on. He really, I think, provoked uh, Democrat governors. I'm sure they're going to try and defy this, but they have no chance because the uh, the uh, Justice Department is committed to upholding the Constitution. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, a terrific organization. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there.
Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I'd like to do a little shout-out for St. Matthew's House. They do a great job. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm sending a check today to support St. Matthew's House, who supports the homeless and those who are... uh, threatened by the lack of food and Sasha, you can imagine at this time it's just so important to support them and Lulabee's Grill by there, or Lulabee's Diner I should say at the Green Tree Shopping Center big supporters of St. Matthew's House they're open now and I hope you'll patronize them they do a great job coming up later in the show we'll visit with Jim McTagg Jim is a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of books right now have what we have with us Larry Reed he is also an author he is the President Emeritus of a terrific organization, the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry Reed, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, it's always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Larry. And tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay, we maintain a very robust website at feefee.org with daily commentary. Uh, We also hold programs for high school and college students all across the country and beyond. Our purpose is to educate and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property, and personal character. And we invite uh, your listeners to visit the website, fee.org, and see what they think. Great, great website. Also, these per- these programs are terrific as well. I especially encourage you, if you have a young person in your life in the ages that Larry stated, uh, make sure they get exposed to the Foundation for Economic Education. They have great programs, and it is character building, something that we certainly need uh, in our current public education program. Uh, Larry, you wrote an uh, article called it's, Is Civil Disobedience Justified in Defense of Freedom of Worship? Which is so timely because right now the president is thrown down the gauntlet. He said that religious services are essential uh, businesses, so to speak, uh, and, uh, you know, right now we have uh, mayors, governors in defiance of the president right now. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that America has a long and storied history of civil disobedience that, uh, in a peaceful way, accomplished some uh, very positive objectives. Yes. And so I think anybody who says, uh, you know, in a categorical way, it's never justified. Uh, I think, uh, is ignoring that history. I mean, can you imagine if, uh, uh, let's say, back in uh, the days of uh, slavery, uh, every slave that fled uh, his or her plantation, uh, people like Harriet Tubman, uh, they were committing civil disobedience. 
and uh, and there are so many other examples in American history during the civil rights movement when uh, um, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus uh, there in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, so sometimes civil disobedience, peaceful uh, disobedience, is a way to draw attention to government's own uh, extreme measures that uh, violate uh, matters of conscience or the Constitution. And some churches uh, in parts of the country this past weekend uh, decided that they were going to reopen um, uh, in defiance of state orders from their governors. And there, there wasn't any violence, but there were some fines imposed in Chicago against two churches. And uh, in Minnesota, the churches struck an agreement with the governor that will allow them to reopen beginning Tuesday. But I applaud uh, mm-hmm. people who stand up for their rights when uh, what they're facing is official uh, stupidity or oppression. Yeah, and you know, one of my favorites is, of course, Martin Luther King. I, I just uh, every occasionally read his letter from the Birmingham jail, uh, yes. which is such a great, great reminder of uh, his civil disobedience and what he did for uh, civil rights uh, during the day. I mean, he was just really, I think, an unbelievable leader. Certainly had his character flaws in other ways, but uh, it, it made such a difference. And, uh, of course, he was a reverend. He was a, a preacher. And we certainly experienced that on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial when he gave a I Have a Dream speech. But he was committed to not uh, to uh, rights for blacks. He was committed to uh, rights for all Americans, where all Americans could stand together and uh, uh, not consider the color of skin as part of the uh, part of the uh, discussion of the day. Exactly, and and discrimination does figure into this uh, question of churches reopening in the face of the uh, governor's orders about the uh, coronavirus. Because a lot of these church leaders in places like Illinois and Minnesota, they're looking around and they're saying, "Wait a minute, uh, we can practice social distancing and have been doing it uh, when necessary." And uh, so why don't we fully open? Uh, because the government allows Walmart and Home Depot and liquor stores and uh, so many other things uh, to operate. Why can't we? So there is a case to be made that there's a kind of an official discrimination against uh, churches. But if you, if you have an, an abortion clinic or, uh, or a state-owned liquor store from which the state makes money, then uh, you, you're more likely to get an exception than a church is. Yeah. You know, the the most important document, of course, is the Constitution, which says that the government is created to serve us and that we are free in our rights and are given us to us by God, not by the state. So uh, the point is this, that uh, we've gotten to the point now where certainly that uh, some sort of a shutdown was necessary because we really didn't understand the risks that were involved. But now that we've gone to this point, we do understand those risks and we can start making good decisions. We can live within, within the boundaries of the CDC and the guidelines the president's given us on social distancing. So the churches all have to abide by those. As long as they're abiding by them, they can be their essential services. So I think the decision is a great one. Yeah, I think that uh, there's growing evidence, too, questioning the validity of these extended lockdowns, that maybe we are, for instance, uh, preventing uh, a herd immunity from developing, uh, and uh, that maybe there are other negative consequences to closing people's businesses and forcing them into isolation that may be taking more lives than the virus itself. 
That is absolutely true. So, I mean, and one of the things that you pointed out in your column, which I really appreciated, is this nation was founded on civil disobedience. That's how we are. I think it's part of our DNA, quite frankly. Yeah, and it ought to be, because uh, the notion that government should uh, reign unchallenged and that just because a politician issues an order, it must be a, a good one, uh, or that we just should, should sit around and wait until the politicians get around to changing uh, bad policies. Uh, I think that's just not the way Americans uh, are, are wired. No, and we can see that uh, power, for, is, for some reason, is, is uh, contagious. It's just something that they feed on it. And having gotten the power to be, be able to make these decisions, uh, it's hard. And when, I just remember that interview with the governor by Tucker Carlson, the governor, of New Jersey, and Tucker yeah. Carlson said, did you think about the Bill of Rights? <laughs> and he says, no, I didn't think about that. Well, I think, <laughs> I think a lot of our leaders aren't thinking about that. They're not thinking about uh, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and, and uh, their role in the entire process should be one not of power, but of humility and service. Yeah, in that interview, the New Jersey governor said thinking about the Bill of Rights was above his pay grade, which to me uh, <laughs> just shouted uh, the fact that he needs his pay cut. Yeah, well, yeah, and it, it, it probably is true. <laughs> it's so interesting. Hey, I, I want to end this segment with a couple of quotes that you had from uh, Henry David Thoreau. I wonder if you have any favorites, favorites that you like to share. Oh, yeah. Uh, my very favorite from Henry David Thoreau, who wrote Civil Disobedience, uh, is this one. He said, Must the citizen ever for a moment, or in the least degree, resign his conscience to the legislator? Well, what, then why does every man have a conscience then? I think we should be men first and subjects afterward. A great quote indeed. Again, Henry David Thoreau, Civil Disobedience is the name of the book, which I read, of course, and we've all read it probably, but it's a, it's a great reminder that government, again, serves us. We don't serve government. We have to be act responsibly. That's part of the mission of the Foundation for Economic Education is not only to promote the notion of freedom that, uh, and re of all, that we all have, but also the responsibility to live by the law and to uh, have live by our consciences, actually. So, Larry, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on our show. I want to remind our listeners to go to FEE.org. And again, get a young person involved in your life. Get somebody involved in the Foundation for Economic Education, a terrific organization. Larry, genuinely appreciate your coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Jim is the author of a couple of books. Uh, his latest two are Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree, Great Murder Mysteries, located right in Washington, D.C. Uh, he's also a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and he does great commentary on what's happening in the Capitol and within the Beltway. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Of course, after the pandemic, this is going to be a really important task, and uh, I proudly serve on the board. I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Jim McTagg. He's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's an author. He's written several books. His two latest are Follow the Leader, and Shake the Money Tree, two great murder mysteries, uh, all both located in Washington, D.C., and one sequel to the other. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. I'm thinking, you know, there, uh, from day to day, uh, who, who among us doesn't want to murder one politician or another? I mean, you know, we can read the headlines and, and go into a frenzy. And, and this is my way of, of uh, backing into the issue of mail-in uh, voting especially in my home state, uh, where I, I was originally from Pennsylvania, mm. uh, where they have a new uh, vote-by-mail uh, regime. You know, the, the governor, uh, uh, Governor Wolf, a Democrat, put it in place this year, uh, right in time for the pandemic. And apparently uh, they're, they're unprepared. They have a primary coming up in June, over a million people have requested mail-in votes mm-hmm. because there are fewer polling places. And, and you know, the elderly people, uh, and I include myself, we don't want to be uh, in line at a poll and, and risk getting the uh, uh, COVID-19. So um, the point being that this is like a rehearsal for the presidential race. And in Pennsylvania, the counties are already screaming, uh, we don't have the manpower 
we don't have the machinery to count the votes so that, uh, you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter much in, in the Democratic primary hmm. because Joe Biden is the uh, presumptive winner. But come November, uh, the day after the election, uh, we may not have votes counted. And so if we're a uh, key state, you won't know who's been elected president for two or three days after the fact. Interesting commentary. I'll tell you, uh, now I think by the national election, there's going to be, uh, uh, what is it, November 3rd or 4th. Uh, by that time, we should, this COVID-19 business should not be in, a, uh, uh, in effect or, or a problem. But ir- even if it is, irrespective, uh, the president's come out strongly against voting uh, by mail. Uh, we had a, I, I did a story earlier in the show about uh, the, somebody who was committed uh, fraud, election fraud, and uh, was pled guilty in South Philadelphia. So it, I, in my mind, we have a great uh, a supervisor of elections here in Cuyahoga County. Her name is Jennifer Edwards, and the elections always go right on key. They, you know, everything moves very smoothly as opposed to other states where they have problems with voting booths. So uh, maybe it's the person who's elected to do the job, and, and you know it's a matter of honesty and, and getting the right people in place, as opposed to how the vote is done. Whether it's done, I like I personally like to vote by mail, and here's why: I like to vote by mail uh, because sometimes there's stuff on the issues. John, we know who you want to vote for for president, or maybe senator, or some of these other offices. But there are other issues, especially in Florida, where there's so many constitutional amendments. And sometimes I see something say, hey, what's the deal on this? Is this something good? And I do research on it before I make my vote. So I like that. And also, uh, Linda and I sit there and discuss, you know, discuss it. So uh, I like voting by mail. It's it's not even absentee voting here in Florida. It's called just uh, voting by mail. I think it's a good thing. No, I like voting by mail, too. But here here's the problem. And this is where the polling gets very interesting. Uh, the uh, Quinnipiac University poll, for example, which is a nonpartisan poll, it's considered the most accurate. Now, generally, I dismiss polls Mm -hmm. uh, this soon in advance of an election Mm -hmm. because so much can happen. Like, for example, uh, right now, uh, Joe Biden holds an 11-point lead over Trump in approval, uh, and he... Uh, Biden has a big lead with the women and with independents. You know, independence is the key here. Uh, normally, I would dismiss this poll uh, out of hand. I mean, I mean, it's accurate. Uh, President Trump probably is uh, grousing a lot of people right now, uh, but it's pre-debate, and, and generally in a presidential election, uh, the debates are very uh, determining. Uh-huh. I will but, make an, uh, I'll make another point to that, though, Jim. Also, there are national polls, and, of course, the uh, election is not a national election. It's uh, voted for the Electoral College. It's state by state. So even if, uh, and, of course, California, New York, and other states are overwhelmingly Democrat and certainly have the population to support that, that probably contributes to the uh, polling being skewed away from how the, the national elections may actually turn out. Yeah, it, but it, it is reflective of, of the a national vote, not the uh, electoral state vote. I, I agree with that. Right. Uh, my point is that this allows people in some states, uh, New Jersey, Illinois, Pennsylvania, to vote three, three and a half weeks prior to an election. Mm-hmm. So people, uh, there's uh, impulse buying when you go to the supermarket, and there's impulse, impulse voting. 
So people, you know, President Trump, three and a half weeks before the election, could uh, put out a tweet that that offends uh, half the country. And the vote is already cast. I mean, that's that's a great point because we always get the October bombshell from the Democrats. (laughs) But things do happen. Uh, just before the election, and sometimes the votes can be cast er- uh, earlier. So I think you make a great point about that. Uh, if you cast your vote early, sometimes you do, you do it in the absence of stuff that might have been important during in your decision. Uh, exactly, and the um, uh, I mean the same thing can happen with Biden. I mean he could suddenly uh, forget where he is in the middle of a national debate and uh, and and shock the nation and. And lo and behold, uh, people have already cast their ballots uh, for Joe Biden. So it's, uh, again, it shortens the election cycle. Yeah. Well, yeah, in and, fact, and, in fact, uh, Carlos Osweda, I don't know who the heck he is, but he, he does some great tweets. In fact, I read one of them, a, a tweet thread, I guess they call it. I'm not, but I'm taking more and more interest in Twitter because of this. But anyhow, uh, he says that it's very possible that uh that Biden, if he is suffering from a reduction in mental capacity, uh, might get angry. He says that's sometimes typical of people who are losing their faculties that could get angry during one of the debates <laughs> and lose it. Yeah, you know. It would be funny if they both lost it during the debate. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, I think that President Trump has a big advantage in the debates, as he showed during the, the last debate. Uh, I, I saw a great quote uh, in one of the papers that people didn't vote for Trump because of his management ability. They voted for Trump because of his mouth. There's a lot to be said for that. You know, people liked the way he was uh, standing up to the uh, Republican establishment in, in the primaries. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that altered him ahead of the presumed uh, favorites like Jeb Bush. Um, and so in a debate, President Trump, he has, he has skills that, that I think uh, really overmatch uh, Joe Biden. I think I think it's a slam dunk for President Trump. Uh, but if the election cycle is shortened, the trick is to start the debates earlier. And you know Biden hasn't done a thing yet, and he's leading in the popularity polls. Uh, he's the invisible man, so mm-hmm. why would he want to uh, begin the debates uh, too far in advance of the election? He has no incentive at all. Right. His incentive is to, uh, you know, stay bunkered down. You stay in the basement and get a teleprompter. <laughs> Because you heard about this weekend saying, you know, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. You've heard probably heard that comment. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and the other the other factors I think that you need to think about when when you're talking about the polling is that the enthusiasm of Trump voters is far stronger. It's like the mainstream media and the Democrat Party is trying to pull these people along. Uh, so the enthusiasm factor for Trump supporters is much much higher. Uh, second factor is that Bernie supporters apparently only three percent of them have made a contribution uh, to the Biden campaign. So there there probably is a lack of enthusiasm, maybe disdain for Biden from among some of these uh, uh, Bernie supporters. So we'll see how this all turns out. It's also interesting. It is. I mean, uh, and it's Trump, the huge campaign war chest. uh, His, you know, we'll start seeing these commercials uh, 
coming fast and furious. Absolutely. Well, I just want to point out to our listeners, your two great books. I just enjoyed reading these murder mysteries. They're located in a place where I grew up in Washington, D.C., and uh, they're great reads. And Again, Jim McTagg, M-C, capital T-A-G-U-E, is the author. The name of the books, uh, it is start with uh, Follow the Leader, number one, and then the sequel is Shake the Money Tree. Jim, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Bob. Have a great Memorial Day. You as well. Thank you. And again, remember, at 3 o'clock, if you, especially if you hear taps, put your hand over your heart and face where you're hearing the music. Uh, but second of all, even if you don't hear the music, uh, just a moment of gratitude for those that gave the, the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom uh, on Memorial Day, 3 o'clock this afternoon. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We had some surprises, but it was a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoyed the information. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I'd like to hear from you, and if you're not receiving the uh, email that I send out, the, the newsletter after each show, you can, uh, again, ask for that, bobharden at hotmail.com. Join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, Boo Morton. We'll, find, we'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and Art DiLorenzo, the founder of, of uh, uh, Maximize Your Talent. I hope you make it a great day, Memorial Day, on the uh, Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>